teaching tonight on uh, 1 John chapter 5. We're going to finish this series up. Got a few verses to go. By God's grace, we'll get through it tonight. And uh, But first of all, I want to welcome all of our guests, those that have never attended Heart of the Bay before. If you're here for the very first time, would you kindly raise your hand? We want to greet you tonight. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's welcome them. We have a friend there and a friend right there. And uh, if you just keep your hands raised, we want to get you some information about the church. All sorts of great and wonderful things happening here at Heart of the Bay. It's a good church. Amen? Amen. And we're grateful for that. Praise the Lord. We had a great service last Sunday night and Sunday morning. Uh, Pastor Brenna taught uh, along the lines of the happiest place on earth. And no, it's not Disneyland. It's in the will of God. And so we're having our generations services uh, once every month uh, where we have the children's ministry and the youth ministry and all the adults come together and we just seek the Lord and have ourselves a Holy Ghost time. It was powerful. Next month, our oldest son, John Thomas, is going to be up here and he's going to be ministering to that uh, to the congregation. So don't miss that. That is going to be great. Praise the Lord. And... Uh, Tomorrow, Brenda and I are heading out to Pawnee, Oklahoma. It's 30 degrees warmer in Pawnee uh, than it is in Hayward. And uh, I'm going to go do some fishing in the pond, which is well stocked with perch and catfish. And uh, I just need someone to bait my hook, and then I'll be all right. <laughs> that would be Brenda. And, uh, you know, we haven't been to camp meeting for a long, long time. I haven't been out of the state since recently, for over a year or so. We're looking forward to going back and seeing uh, uh, part of our spiritual family. And of course, that's Pastor Kenneth Hagen Jr. and Miss Lynette Hagen and all those great folks at camp meeting. It's going to be wonderful. And then we're really excited about uh, Brenda, Pastor Brenda's book called Making the Most of Your Meltdowns, which is going into uh, print real soon. And she has to meet with them and sign the contract on that next week. Amen. Amen. And so be blessed. Praise the Lord. It's going to be coming out uh, in the house Sunday morning. Pastor Tom and Kimberly always do a great job. Come out and hear the word of the Lord. I know they had a wonderful word over the 4th of July. Just great. And then Pastor Nick Kinn from Living Word Christian Center in um, uh, Minneapolis is uh, going to be coming. He sent me a message on the phone, and it was all in Spanish. And I didn't understand what he was saying, so I just texted him back, and I said, Dos tacos, por favor, Marcos Francisco Tomas, which is me amo, my name. Thus being interpreted, saith the Lord. All right. But Nick is an awesome guy, and he is a soul winner, and uh, as well as Tony and... And our team that goes out, going to be a great weekend. They're going to hit the streets of San Francisco. And they're going to try to get Carl Malden heal, uh, saved. Anyway, uh, but they're going to be doing uh, evangelism, ministry all weekend long. And I, I believe that over a thousand people are going to be born again. It's going to be awesome. So be praying about that. And if you want to come along and just observe, maybe you know you're not real comfortable in that setting. Why don't you go as a prayer? And I'm sure Brother Tony and Nick could usually utilize you in that area. It's going to be great. So, Brother, pardon? Yeah. Anybody who wants to go, you see Brother Tony Herrera right after the service. Okay? 
Praise the Lord. So, and we're going to start a, another series here in the month of August. I'm not sure exactly when, but it's going to be on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, next Wednesday, you'll ha- we'll have someone speaking. I, don't, I forget who it is, so I can't say. And then, of course, the following Sunday, Pastor Brendan and I will be back. But uh, it's going to be a, a good month of August, and we're, we're really gearing up for our Daniel's Fast in September. And there are some things that... Uh, we are taking it in prayer. Amen? Amen? And we're believing God big time. Amen. Amen. So if you would, for a few moments tonight, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. And uh, we're going to look at those verses there. You know the Word of God is really, really important. You do know that, don't you? You know, Jeremiah said, he said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And the message translation says this, When your words showed up, I ate them, swallowed them whole. What a feast, what delight I took in being yours. Glory to God. Psalm 119 verse 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. Another translation says, I'm ecstatic over what you say. Like one who strikes it rich. You know, we are rich in God. And there are riches in the Word of God, and there are nuggets just waiting for us to discover and to receive. So let's pray, and let's be attentive to the Word. Father, we thank You tonight for revelation knowledge. We thank You for the will of God and the Word of God going forth. We give You praise, Lord God, for the ability and the privilege that we have just to be in this place. To be here in Your presence. And we honor you tonight and worship you and we receive with meekness your word. Amen and amen. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, this is where we left off last week. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will or according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So base all of your prayers on the Word of God. And if you will base your prayers on the Word of God, you will have confidence, you will have boldness, and you will have assurance. Now these next few verses are are what you might want to stay away from if you're a teacher or a pastor. But, you know, it's part of the book of 1 John. So we're going to dig right into it. Amen? 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. It says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin uh, not unto death. So notice this, first of all, the context, it's praying for brothers, it's praying for sisters. And so the observation then is we may see a brother, we may see a sister sinning a sin and... uh, Perhaps they are not walking in the light that we have, or perhaps they're just, you know, missing the mark and sinning as a result of disobedience. But I want you to notice here that the Word of God does not say that we are to talk about them, or we are to expose them. We are not to judge our brothers and sisters. No, let's pray for them. It's not, oh, you know, call up everyone in the 510 area code code and say, well, it's time to pray for Brother Knucklehead again. (laughs) Now, you wouldn't want that, and I wouldn't want that. Now, I've got to thinking about that verse of Scripture that love covers a multitude of sins. 
And I think somehow there's a twofold application. Number one, we are to cover people, praise God, and not expose their sin by talking about them. But secondarily, if we see a brother or a sister sin a sin which is not unto death, we should be covering them with prayer. I believe that the greatest thing we can do for our brothers and sisters that are operating in sin and falling short of the glory of God is pray for them. And so what kind of prayers should we pray for them? Well, I can think of a couple right away. The prayer that Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. He prayed that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened or flooded with light. So that they could get insight and revelation into certain things for their lives. See, walking in sin is walking in darkness. What is the cure for darkness? The cure for darkness is light. So we can pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. And if there's a brother or a sister that has yielded to temptation time and time again, we can pray for strength for them. God, strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. Lord God, put on the inside of them a spirit of courage, a spirit of boldness, a spirit of tenacity to close the door on the enemy, to say no to temptation so that they may grow to their full potential in Christ Jesus. You know, Epaphras was a person, potentially, that was the pastor at the church at Colossae. And he said in Colossians 4.12, he said, Epaphras, a servant of God, always praying for you, that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. How many of you know that when we're born again, our spirit is perfect, but there's growth that needs to take place? And along the pathway of life, we're going to stumble. We're We're going to miss the mark. But Paul, uh, 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 Paul said that Epaphras was praying for them that they would stand complete. Yeah. And that they would rise up into the complete, perfect will of God. You know, that reminds me of Ephesians chapter 4, where the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers and the apostles and the prophets are given to the body of Christ to perfect the church. Yeah. In other words, that there might come a real maturity in Christ so that we can grow and develop up into Him. So if you see a friend, you see a brother or a sister, you know, that is is fallen into sin or has yielded to sin, pray for them. And then, of course, be led by the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God may have you speak to them, but speaking to them in the right heart. Never speak to a person out of a condemning heart. Never speak to a person out of a judgmental or critical attitude. Because what you have just done is you have not taken heed to yourself. Right? Lest you also be tempted. Him that thinks he stands, the Bible says, take heed lest he fall. So everyone say, I'm praying for my brothers and for my sisters. And the Bible says that God will give that person life. God promises to bless the prayers made on behalf of a brother or a sister that is yielded to sin. Now this is talking about the sin which is not unto death or that doesn't lead to death. But now notice the second part of this verse. There is a part B to verse 16 that I want to comment on. He says there is a sin unto death. Part A is, there is a sin which does not lead to death, but there is a sin unto death. And notice with me, he says, 
I do not say that you should pray for this. So there's one area that we ought to be praying about, and there's another area that we're not to enter into. In Romans 6.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. Now, sin causes separation to take place. You know, if a Christian, if you sin, you, you, you just kind of lose that sense of fellowship. How many of you know if you're in strife and you're unforgiveness, you're not walking with God. You're not coming boldly to the throne of grace if something's not right down here. Or something's not right up here. Amen. No, we're to walk in the light as He is in the light. And when we do that, we have fellowship, not only with Him, but with one another. And the blood cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So we see then, uh, that sin then, it causes people to fall short of the glory of God. You could say it this way, that sin causes people to fall short of the glorious plan of God for their lives. So we could define sin a couple ways. Sin is violation of light. We could say what sin does is sin separates us. It separates us. How many of you know that there are certain people that have yielded to sin as a result of their yielding to sin over a period of time, they have lost their right, if you will, because of overindulgence in a certain area and because of yielding to that sin. How many of you know that they've opened the door oftentimes to the curse? And sin can separate a person from their body. Sin can separate a person from their body. I mean, think about Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of land, right? And in those days, it was common to take the selling of land or whatever and lay it at the apostles' feet. Now, they weren't required to do that, but they did it anyway. And then they were asked, now, is this the amount that you sold the land for? And of course, Ananias kept back part. And as a result of keeping back part, he lied and said, yeah, this is it. And immediately, because he lied to the Holy Ghost, immediately because he yielded to the spirit behind lying, which is the devil, in the midst of the presence of God, he fell over dead. See, his sin separated from him from his body. Can you see that? Well, Sapphira was not there at that particular time. See, understand this, that they had just sold the land. She had money. Understand, she was most likely at the mall. And not only that, she was late. Some of you girls didn't appreciate that. She had money, and she was late to church. And she walked in with her fine new dress on and her fine shoes on. And the same question was asked. And she gave the same story that Ananias did. And she didn't know that Ananias had died. And as a result of her lying and sinning, it separated her from her physical body. But she still went to heaven. Now, don't look at me so sad. <laughs> Because not every time a person sins does it separate them from their body. I don't know why in this particular case that it did that. We can think about it. We can analyze it. Perhaps it was because they lied to the Holy Ghost. 
in the midst of the presence of God. So that sin, in that sense, separated her, separated him from, from uh, not from God, but from their body. Okay? From life. Now, there is a sin which causes people to be separated from God. And we want to talk about that a little bit. Now, don't get nervous. I've been in full-time ministry for 33 years. Everyone say 33. 33. And I have never seen in my 33 years of ministry anyone that has sinned a sin unto death that separated them from God as a believer. Never. But it can't happen. Now let me give you an example of this happening. This is from my spiritual father. And I will try to keep it brief without going into great death. But there was this lady. She was a very beautiful lady. And she was very gifted and very talented in the area of music. And she was a pastor's wife. And, you know, they pastored a small church. And the devil began to sit on her shoulder. You understand what I mean by that? He started lying to her. And started suggesting to her. See, he's the author of suggestions. Don't listen to his lies. And started suggesting to her, you're a beautiful woman. You've got all this talent. You deserve much more than this. You know, here you are in a little church. You know, your husband's a struggling pastor. And you're just really anointed and you're really something. And so immediately she recognized that being from the enemy and resisted it. But over the process of time, the enemy came back and started suggesting to her the same things. And after a period of time, she started entertaining those thoughts. See, suggestions and thoughts come to every one of us. But thoughts that are not entertained, <coughs> die unborn. You know, you may not be able to do anything about somebody knocking on your door, but you can sure keep them out of your living room. And that's the way with the devil, too. You can't necessarily stop his lies from coming to your mind. Shouldn't eat in those walnuts. <coughs> but you don't have to let him into the living room of your soul, of your life. Well, that's what she did. And then next thing you know, she committed adultery. And then the next thing she knows, she left her husband. And the next thing she knows, she was with probably a hundred men. Constantly yielding to sin over and over again. An unbroken pattern of sin. And the Lord told Dad Hagen, you know, I would have forgiven her even if she'd slept with a thousand men. It wasn't the fact that she sinned and missed it. The fact was, is that she persisted in her sin and then got to a point where she said, I don't ever want to have anything to do with Jesus again. She turned her back on him. Friends, that is a sin that leads to death, spiritual death, even as a believer. Amen. And I don't want to give this a lot of airtime tonight because I don't perceive anybody in here that's done that. <laughs> and uh, so he was just startled and said, Lord, why don't you want me to pray for her? And the Lord brought him over to 1 John 
chapter 5, verse 16, which says, There is a sin unto death, and I'm telling you, don't pray for it. And he said to him, don't pray for her. She's already made up her mind. You know, there are certain individuals that make up their mind, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then I want you to see something very clearly, because it's really, really important. Mental institutions tonight are filled with people that believe they've committed the unpardonable sin. This is the number one, one of the main things that the enemy torments people over. I've talked to them. They're convinced that they have committed the unpardonable sin. They're fully persuaded that they have. And the mere reason that they're concerned about it tells me they haven't. (laughs) Because if you have really committed an unpardonable sin, you could care less. And if you've gotten to a point where you've turned your back on to the Lord completely, it's over. But I want you to know and want you to see in the book of Hebrews, quickly if you would, Hebrews, I believe it is chapter oh, 6. Let's look at chapter 6. And let's look at verses 4 through 6. Okay? This is part of the teaching, so we might as well look at it. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 says, For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened. Number one, they're born again. Amen? These are the qualifications, if you will, for committing the unpardonable sin. You must be born again. Secondly, and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Does anyone know what the heavenly gift is? The heavenly gift is the gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, number three, and we're made partakers. Everyone say partakers. Of the Holy Ghost. That, friends, that's not just being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's partaking of the Holy Ghost. That is a person that is intimately acquainted and in communion with the Holy Ghost and knows Him and talks with Him and is led by Him and is counseled by Him and comforted by Him and ministered to by Him. Now notice. And, of course, have partakers of the Holy Ghost. In verse 5, Everyone said, have tasted the good word of God. In other words, a baby Christian can't do this. Those that have not been exposed thoroughly to the word of God and been saturated in the word of God cannot commit the unpardonable sin. And have tasted of the powers of the world to come. What's that? The powers of the world to come are the gifts of the Spirit. So, number one, this person was saved. Number two, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Number three, she had tasted of the good word of God. Number four, she was used mightily by God in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yet she turned her back on God. Now notice the bottom line, verse 6. Look at that with me. If they shall fall away... To renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. How many have ever done that? 
How many of you have committed the unpardonable sin here tonight? <coughs> Nobody has committed the unpardonable sin. So let's move on. Verse 17. Verse 17 of First John chapter 5. I don't know what it is about this place. And bind it. No, it's not cold. I think it's because I ate those walnuts. <coughs> All right then. Verse 17. Ready, read. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Now I want you to look at verse 18 in the Amplified Version. Verse 18, Amplified. Verse 18, Amplified says this. We know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. See, if a person has an unbroken pattern of sin, I wonder whether or not they're really saved. But listen to this. But the one who is begotten of God carefully watches and protects him. Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against the evil. Now listen to this. Did you wear a shouting clothes? And the wicked one does not lay hold of, get a grip on, or touch him. The wicked one cannot attach itself to this one that is born of God and walking in fellowship with God. That is the good news. You are not subject to the wicked one. The wicked one is subject to you. He is the lesser one. You operate and live in the greater one. If you do sin, confess it. Repent, turn the other way, and live for God. And put yourself in a position to be untouched. We could call you and me and us at Heart of the Bay the untouchables. What do you mean untouchables? We are untouchable by the spirit of this world and by the spirit of the devil. Amen? This is not a casual touch. When it says the wicked one doesn't touch him, It literally means it doesn't get a grip on you. It doesn't grasp you. This is not a superficial touch. How many of you know that sin gets its grips on people? But that's not you, and that's not me. (coughs) Verse 19 and verse 20 of 1 John chapter 5. Let's go ahead and read that together. Verse 19 and 20. And we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in wickedness. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now notice the way that John closes this book. And I want to spend the balance of our time on this last phrase. Look at verse 21. Remember he's talking to people that have been enraptured and bound up with false doctrine. He's talking to a people that are in a in an atmosphere and in a community where idolatry runs rampant. And then he says, now look it. Guys, girls, you that are begotten of God... Here's what you must do. Keep yourselves from idols. Now notice what it says in the Amplified Version. In the Amplified Version of verse 21. 
It says, little children, keep yourself from idols. The Amplified says it like this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols and false gods. From anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God. In other words, protect yourself from any sort of substitute. From anything and everything that would take first place in your life. Amen. So be it. It could be soccer. It could be in your garage. Closely connected to idolatry is covetousness. Turn with me in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. I want you to notice a statement here that is very vital. It says, keep yourselves... From idols. Is this pertinent in the day and age in which you and I live? Are there not idols all around us? There are idols that they call American. There are idols that are taking their skills to South Beach. There are idols down at the uh, Los Angeles place where they play basketball. See, anything that takes that place of God in our lives is an idol. Idol worship. Drive by the Oakland Coliseum Saturday night before a Sunday morning Raiders game. They're literally out there having orgies. Booze orgies. And Lord knows whatever else kind of orgies are taking place. Are you listening to me? I'd do anything to get my Raiders tickets. I can't miss my Sunday afternoon worship at the Coliseum. And then if they don't perform well, people get bummed out. Say, they didn't preach very well today. Idols, American idols, sports idols, all sorts of idols. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, Let your manner of life or your conversation be without covetousness. Everyone say covetousness. Notice this phrase, without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. That is good news. Now, when a person covets something, when a person covets his neighbor's wife, when a person covets someone's automobile, when a person covets, the word covet literally means to desire, it means to long for, and it also means to sigh for. Oh, I just, I gotta have that. I just love that. I, I must have this. See, we don't fall down in front of statues today. Like they did. But there's a lot of people falling down at the spirit of this age. It's idolatry. And he says, keep yourself from it. 
Don't let the wicked one get a grip on you or touch you. Live your life so separated in God, not fuddy-duddy, not frustrated, not having fun, but make sure your act is together. Amen. He says, keep yourselves from idols. Don't sigh after, don't long for, don't desire the spirit of this world. Amen. Have you looked at Hollywood lately? You know where Lindsay Lohan is tonight? She's got all the money you could ever want. She's in jail. Why is she in jail? Because she had a longing. She had a desire. She was sighing for something out there in the world that could never, ever satisfy. Friends, only Jesus Christ, only the head of the church, only Him can satisfy the longing soul. Any person without Him is without God, is without a covenant, is without hope. Man's search for God continues in Eastern religions, in bottles, in needles, in, in wealth. But at the end of the day, when they put their head on that pillow, they're as empty as they were before they began their search. Empty. Coming up empty. Searching for love in all the wrong places. This world doesn't even know what love is. Love is a piece of, uh, 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 of uh, flesh. Love to people represents another notch on their buckle. It's a crazy, messed up world we live in. But you and I, we're not of this world. We're living in this world, but thank God we're not of it. But we must keep ourselves and protect ourselves so that the world doesn't slide and glide back into our lives. You will find that some of the things that you have been delivered from will knock on your door. If it's women, it'll knock on your door. If it's alcohol, it'll knock on your door. Whatever tripped you up in the past, the enemy is just waiting for a foothold. Now, I don't say that, you know, to produce fear in people's lives, but it is a fact. And to be forewarned is to be armed. You do realize that you and I are the ones that are armed. We got the whole armor of God. We are the ones that are armed and we're very dangerous where Satan is concerned. He's not going to come around and just play around with people that don't know who they are in Christ. He's coming after those that do know their God and are strong and are carrying out great exploits. Well, since I got born again, Pastor, I've never had so many problems. Well, welcome to spiritual warfare. It is a fact of life. I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bay Area is just, it's just so full of spiritual warfare. Pawnee, Oklahoma is full of spiritual warfare. That's right. Amen. Minneapolis, Minnesota is full of spiritual warfare. Hey, welcome to the war. But the good news is, Jesus has already won the war. And we are the occupying army. We're holding fast. We're holding steady. We're not giving him one inch. He's not worth the dirt to kick in his face. Wow, that's mighty revelation right there. 
Keep yourself. You know, God's got some awesome things for you. But if it's two steps forward and three back, it's like you're not going anywhere. Oh, Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, quickly, if you would. Colossians chapter 3. How many of you have been raised up together with Christ and made to sit together with Him in heavenly places? He said in verse 1 of Colossians 3, he says, If, literally it means this, since you have been risen with Christ, that's you and that's me. He said, here's what we must do. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. We're to set our mind, we're to set our affections on the things above by spending time in the Word, by spending time in prayer. Listen, your time in the Word tonight is not time that's wasted. You gathering with other people in the Lord, there's strength happening in the house. You may not sense it right now, but oh, glory to God, this Word's getting in your heart. And it's going to help you in your midnight hour. Glory to God. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, he says, For you're dead. Or verse 2, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, For you are dead, and your life is hid with what? My life is hid with Christ in God. Say that two times real strong. My life is hid with Christ in God. What does Romans say? Romans says, Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God. Amen. Set your love on Him. Listen, all this other stuff is just stuff. It's just stuff. I have never in my life seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Well, I wonder how much he left. Brother, he left it all. (laughs) Every penny of it. See, stuff isn't going to save anybody. Thank God for stuff. I'm going to get my stuff. You? You going to get your stuff? There's stuff to be gotten. Faith is the substance of stuff. There's stuff to be gotten. But we're not living our life for stuff. We're living our life for Him. And as a result of living our life for Him, stuff comes upon us. And overtakes us. But all this stuff, understand this, it's going to melt with fervent heat. <laughs> What, what is life all about? Life is all about loving people. Life is all about being a blessing. Say this with me. I am, I am a, blessing. a blessing. The question I have for you tonight is where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? And in verse 4 of Colossians 3 it says, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Now verse 4, this is a mortify. How many of you have heard the term mort- mortician? That's what God wants you to reckon yourself. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and notice, covetousness. Which is what? What is covetousness? Covetousness is idolatry. And the Amplified says covetousness, for that is idolatry. It is the deifying of yourself... And other created things instead of God. So what God is saying, reckon yourself dead. Now, listen very carefully. When we're talking about idolatry in 2010 in the Bay Area, we're not talking about falling over at a statue. With God, it's always 
about the heart. Question mark. Can you keep yourself from falling over and worshiping a statue? If you can do that, you can keep yourself from falling over and worshiping some sort of material or physical idol. It all has to do with your choice. And it has to do with your control. Paul said, I'm keeping under my body. And I'm bringing it, my body, into subjection. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. If you can keep yourself from falling over at a statue, can you keep yourself drooling over a car? In Exodus chapter 34, God said, For thou shalt worship no other God. Say it with me, no other God. Say it again, no other God. He says, For the Lord God whose name is Jealous... He's a jealous God. Did you know that jealousy is a Bible term? There's a God kind of jealousy. And there is a devilish kind of jealousy. I have a godly jealousy over my wife. Try to hit on her and you will see exactly what I mean. I am protective over Brenda. He is protective over Kimberly. Tony is protective over his... We are, God put that in us. Where does that come from? That comes from the head of the church. That comes from your father. God says, I don't want any other gods before me. Because I'm a jealous God. Understand this. That friendship with the world is hostility toward God. And James addresses it, addresses it even in stronger terminology. He calls them, you spiritual adulterers and adulteresses. Okay? So we don't want to yield to spiritual adultery. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, when in the Old Testament, when there was idol worship, uh, it, it was... It, you know, people think, well, you know, the world's worse than it ever was. It ain't. They did some things back there that I can't even mention in the house of God that would curl your hair if it was straight. And if it was straight, it would curl your head. Hair, I mean, they were totally yielded to their idols. You understand? An idol spirit really comes from a demonic force. And our God's a holy God. He says, look, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. Hey, folks, we've already got the king of the universe residing on the inside of us. Remember in closing, in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses came up there to the uh, mount to meet with God? And he was to get the Ten Commandments. Remember that? And he was caught up in the glory. Think about it. That veil's been done away in Christ. The glory of God's now in us and on us. But, you know, the people down below got impatient. And they thought, well, you know, Moses, maybe he's not coming back. He'd been up there a little bit too long. Think about it. Aaron, who had literally lifted up Moses' arms, was there in the camp among them. And they said, well, maybe he's not coming back. So they said, 
Well, here's what we need to do. Let's take all our earrings off. Let's take all our jewelry off. Put it into the fire. And let's make a molten calf. And let that be a God unto us. Now understand, these people are not new to God. These are people that were delivered from Egypt. Manna rained from heaven. Quail came out of heaven. They saw, folks, they saw the hand of God. They saw Pharaoh drown and his horsemen in the sea. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They were in an atmosphere of miracles. And yet, they started yielding to idolatry. The Bible said that they were naked. You can imagine what was going on. They got so worked up in their idol worship. And uh, Moses came back to town. (laughs) And Moses was angered. And this is the Mark Thomas paraphrase, but literally he confronted Aaron. So what in the world's going on? He said, well, I don't know. You know, just a fire and all of a sudden this calf came out. (laughs) Idolatry make you stupid. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Dumb. And Moses was so ticked off, he literally made them melt the molten calf and drink it. Yuck! That is the fruit of idolatry. It makes one stupid, it makes one dull, and it causes them to live way beneath their rights and privileges. But you and I are smarter than that. Say with me, I'm quick. I'm, quick. I'm bright. I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm sharp. I'm good looking. I'm good looking. God is number one, is number one. In, my in my heart. And I'm yielded to you. Just all everybody stand up and raise your hands up before the Lord if you want to. If you don't, just sit there, it's fine. But those of you who desire, just raise your hands to the Lord and just start praying out of your heart. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for the word of God. We thank you for the will of God. The plan of God to be accomplished in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we separate ourselves from anything and everything that would take place of you in our lives. And we set our affections on the things above.